the History Channel original podcast. A few months ago, right before the start of the baseball season, we did an episode about all of this year's new baseball rules, banning defensive shifts, the universal DH, and the pitch clock. You're finishing the pitch, you get the ball back, you have like five seconds to really think about what just happened and what you want to do next. That's Chicago Cubs pitcher Jameson Tyone talking about the biggest change of the year. And since MLB added the pitch clock in 2023, games are 15% faster than in 2022. But it didn't always take a pitch clock to keep things moving. And there's one particular pitcher that we talked to for today's episode that famously made quick work of the opposing teams. My name is Greg Maddox. I am retired. Now I really don't do a whole lot. I watch games and uh, play golf during the day and watch a lot of Netflix. Throughout his Hall of Fame career, Greg Maddox pitched such quick games that he eventually got a new baseball stat named just for him, the Maddox. Even as baseball was slowing down around him, when Maddox took the mound, the game flew by because he was efficient and dominant. Greg Maddox took him only two hours and eight minutes to dispose of the Yankees. Today, we talk to Greg Maddox and go back to a time before baseball got so slow. And we try to understand why and where things went wrong. Sports history this week, July 2nd, 1997. Maddox carves up the Yankees with the most efficient shutout of his career. I'm Kaylin Jones. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. July 2nd, 1997. Greg Maddox is on the mound digging in his spikes and taking his warm-ups before going up against the defending World Series champions, the New York Yankees. They were just getting going then. They were a really good team. The Yankees beat Maddox's team, the Atlanta Braves, to win the World Series the year before. So Maddox is fired up for a rematch. I was probably more mad than they were because they won in 96 and we didn't. So we had a little more attitude, I think, as being on the Braves in that series than I think they did facing us. This is Maddox's 18th start of the season for the Braves. He's 10-3 with an impressive 2.55 ERA. If you're not a baseball fan, just know that that's an incredible stat line for pretty much any pitcher. But for Maddox, it's just a regular year. He's already won four Cy Young Awards in a row as the best pitcher in the National League. Even today, only one other pitcher in baseball history, Randy Johnson, ever won four in a row. And Johnson accomplished that very differently. Johnson is what's known as a power pitcher. 
He's six foot ten, and he blows batters away with hundred mile an hour fastballs and wipeout sliders. Greg Maddox is pretty much the opposite. As a little leaguer, you know, smallest kid on the team, last one to uh, develop and all that. Puberty hit me later than most guys. I would throw hard enough to get drafted, but I had to learn movement and I had to learn how to change speeds. Maddox, like so many pitchers who aren't blessed with a rocket of an arm, develops as many other weapons as he can. I had a fastball in, fastball away, fastball up, change up, breaking ball, change up for a ball, curveball for a ball. So in, in that moment, what do I feel good about throwing? Which one of those six pitches do I feel like I can execute the easiest or the best? When you hear Maddox talk, you really start to understand why he got the nickname The Professor. I would always tell myself if I'm facing like a Randy Johnson or a Roger Clemens or somebody like that, it's not a speed contest, it's a pitching contest. And even though they throw harder and they throw better than me, but if I can go out there and outpitch them for seven or eight innings, I have a pretty good chance to win. Maddox is great at situational baseball, choosing the right pitch and the right approach. He thinks about every possible advantage he can find against the specific batter he's facing in the moment. And you can see this in action when Maddox steps onto the mound in Yankee Stadium for that game in 97. The first man up for the Yankees, Derek Jeter. Jeter walks into the batter's box and goes through his classic routine, taps his bat on the plate, takes a little practice swing. But Maddox gives him no time to get comfortable because by the time Jeter gets his bat up on his shoulder, Maddox is already into his pitching windup. When the hitter starts feeling sexy up there, you know it. I mean, they're, they're kind of locked in and they're taking better swings. You know right away you have to maybe do something to, to change their eyesight, to change their patterns, to you know, maybe try to steal some of their mojo away from them, kind of flip that around a little bit the best you can. So to nail Jeter, Maddox acts fast. No downtime, no chance for Jeter to get into his normal hitting rhythm. Strike one, strike two, and... Strike three call, Jeter's out of there and he argues about it. A three-pitch strikeout, and the hole at bat lasts just 34 seconds. Maddox gets both of the next two batters, catcher Joe Girardi and outfielder Paul O'Neill, on weak ground balls. Three outs on 11 pitches, all in under four minutes. And Maddox is just getting started. In the second inning, Cecil Fielder sees one strike from Maddox before grounding out. Tino Martinez strikes out on three pitches without taking the bat off his shoulder. Wade Boggs lines out to the shortstop. Nine pitches, three minutes, and four seconds. Even faster than the first inning. And Maddox is off to the kind of start we're used to seeing out of him when he's got a good one going. Three ground ball outs to the middle. In the third, a Yankee actually gets on base. Mark Witten hits a single up the middle, and he even makes it to second on a ground out. But Maddox picks him off. Perfect timing's a perfect throw. If he doesn't hit the back with that throw, they don't get him. Three outs. The fourth and fifth innings go pretty much the same way. Batter up, ground out. Joe Girardi hits a single. On the very next pitch, Maddox gets him out on a double play. In the sixth, Maddox shows off another aspect of his all-around game, his defense. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, Maddox is also considered the greatest defensive pitcher in the history of the game with 18 career gold gloves. No big deal. 
It's just as important to be able to fill the bunt correctly as it is to throw a good slider. It's just as important to run the bases correctly as it is to be able to throw a 3-2 changeup with the bases loaded. How many times do you hear in baseball the little things matter? And I bought into that. A Pat Kelly grounder pulls Maddox several steps off the mound toward third base. But Maddox calmly snags the ball, spins around, and makes a perfect throw to first. Doesn't get much easier than that. A grounder to second, a strikeout, a grounder to the pitcher. He is on a roll. We go to the seventh. Two-nothing Atlanta. It's clear the Yankees hitters are completely overmatched. If they swing, they hit weak ground balls for outs. If they don't swing, they strike out looking. And Maddox doesn't look like he's getting tired at all. In fact, he's the first man running onto the field before the bottom of the seventh. That ball had barely settled into Jeter's glove and, and Maddox is already on his way to the mound. He was out there already warming up with Eddie Perez and no one else is even in position. Physically, I was always pretty good. Mentally, I would get tired. Maddox stays in full control, getting the Yankees to go three up, three down on just eight pitches in the seventh inning. Usually, hitters have an advantage over the starting pitcher this late in the game. They've already seen his pitches and worked on their timing. But Maddox has a plan for that. If a guy has a weakness, you wait till the third or fourth at bat when the game's on the line. So you don't really want to show him in the second inning how you want to get him out in the eighth inning. At this point, Yankees fans are desperate for their team to get anything going. The crowd cheers when first baseman Tino Martinez actually manages to hit a ball into the air. And now Tino Martinez here in the eighth. Andrew Jones makes the grab. Martinez flies out the center field, and Maddox is through the eighth inning on just nine pitches. Another very easy inning. 73 pitches is all it's taken Greg Maddox to shut down the Yankees through eight. For the ninth, New York plays its last card, bringing a fan favorite off the bench in his first game back from an injury. And look who coming out of the New York Yankee dugout. Just reactivated before today's game, Bernie Williams. And just his appearance has re-energized this Yankee Stadium crowd. Maddox, as usual, stays composed. But Bernie Williams puts up a fight. Foul ball, ball. Foul ball, ball. And then... Strike three call. And Bernie Williams arguing with Hirschbeck. Came inside, had enough movement on it. A perfectly placed sinker on the inside corner that rips the energy out of the crowd. Derek Jeter is the last chance the Yankees have. And Maddox gets another ground ball out. And Greg Maddox has shut out the New York Yankees. Player of the game, as you might suspect, is Greg Maddox. Took him only two hours and eight minutes to dispose of the Yankees. July 2nd, 1997. Guess how many pitches you threw at it? I, I would say probably less than 100. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great guess because the answer is 84. Oh. <laughs> you threw 61 for strikes and a three-hitter. Okay. You have to respect that. Even with someone gushing to him about one of the most insane pitching days in his career, he's just like, oh, Okay. This performance is so impressive that there's actually now a name for it. 
The Maddox is a complete game shutout on fewer than 100 pitches. Jason Lucart is a baseball reporter and the guy who coined the term the Maddox. And the rules for throwing a Maddox are very strict. You've got to go all nine innings and no rain shortened or anything like that. There's no, there's a combined no hitter. There's no combined Maddox. You got to do it all yourself. Even if your teammates let you down with, a, with an, an error, it's got to be a shutout. Lucart told us the story of how he came up with the Maddox. I was eating breakfast, looking through the, the sports pages, just checking out baseball box scores while I ate some cereal. And I noticed that Greg Maddox, my favorite pitcher, threw nine shutout innings on fewer than 100 pitches. And it seemed like maybe that was kind of an unusual, rare thing to have happen. So I looked at all the other box scores that day and noticed that no one else had been anywhere near that. The all-time career leader in Maddox's Of course, it's Greg Maddox with 13. No one else has more than seven. Lukart first wrote something down about the idea in the 90s, but he says that it really just lived in his notebooks for years. It wasn't until 2012 that he emailed a friend about it. That friend, another baseball writer, helped spread the word. And the next thing Lukart knows... It has a Wikipedia page. It's in the official MLB.com glossary. Getting to do podcasts like this, seeing my name in newspapers or magazines, hearing it on baseball tonight, all of that stuff is is certainly beyond uh, what I imagined when I was just scribbling things down in a notebook every few months when I found one. It may be the coolest part of all, Maddox himself approves of the Maddox. I think I was at UNLV when I was coaching there. One of the kids had read it on a tweet or Instagram or whatever it was back then, and uh I'm like, really? They have that now? So, uh, yeah, pretty special. Pretty cool to have a complete game named after you. On average, Major League Baseball teams throw about 146 pitches per game. So going the distance in under 100 is very rare. And that whole 1997 game, one that helped inspire the term Maddox, it only took two hours and eight minutes. That's a full hour shorter than the average game in 2022. Yeah, he's definitely someone who, if the pitch clock had been in effect during his career, wouldn't really have been a factor. I suspect if we went back and looked at any of his starts, you'd find he was almost never running into that kind of time. So, how did we get here? Why, in just two short decades, did baseball games start getting up over three, three and a half, even four hours long? Some people blame the pitchers. Others blame the hitters. But Greg Maddox says it's not the players at all. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When I asked Greg Maddox about his strategy, how he dominated the Yankees lineup back in 97, he told me something that stood out. If I can give up a 300-foot fly ball to the opposite field, I'll take it. I mean, if I throw the ball right here and he hits it 300 feet and Dave Justice or Brian Jordan go and run it down like it's nothing, I mean, that's a good pitch. That's mission done. This is what makes Maddox different from many of today's pitchers. He doesn't care what the outs look like. Outs are outs. If it's a strikeout, a ground ball, a line drive, or a fly ball to the warning track, to him, any out means he did his job. That's kind of an old-school way of playing baseball. And by old-school, I mean like over a hundred years ago. It began as a sport that was really oriented around the pitcher is there to serve the batter. Anthony Kashavins is a writer for MLB.com. That's the biggest fundamental change to baseball early in its history is changing it from a sport where the pitcher's job is to make the hitter's life easy. And it was all oriented around the ball being put in play. That's not exactly Maddox's approach. He wants to win. But to him, it isn't about striking out every batter. That's just not how he was trained when he was coming up through the minor leagues back in the 1980s. I got accused of trying to strike guys out in the minor leagues, and I would get yelled at. Like, my double-A pitching coach is like, what's your problem? Why are you trying to strike everybody out? You don't have to strike them out, just get them out. But in the last decade or so, there's been a shift. Coaches and managers have changed their guidance. Now, strikeouts are king. It's like the league is trying to create a generation of overpowering Randy Johnsons, not a generation of control artist Greg Maddox's. Today, it's like, you know, you'll see some pitchers get two strikes on a hitter and pop them up and they're mad they didn't strike them out. And you're like, you know, what are you mad for? You got them out. There's a reason for this. Analytics. It's just like the movie Moneyball. We are card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. Moneyball takes place in 2002, when only a few teams were just starting to let the data and math really drive the way they built their teams and figured out their on-field strategies. And by the 2010s, pretty much every team uses some form of analytics. And the numbers pretty clearly say that strikeouts are the best way to keep your opponent from scoring. Why? Because strikeouts are a sure thing. A ground ball is not. There's numbers that show you should chase the swing and miss because anytime a ball is put in play, even if it's hit extremely weak, it has a chance of being a hit. That's Chicago Cubs pitcher Jamison Tyone. He was the second overall pick in the 2010 draft and is now in his seventh big league season. And that's something I've been dealing with this year. Like, I've been getting soft contact at a career best rate, but they're just finding grass. The ball's being hit where our guys aren't. And that's where like, man, if I could find a way to get a little bit more swing and miss in my game here, you kind of have to have it in your back pocket. But more swings and misses and more strikeouts mean higher pitch counts. You can induce a ground out with just one pitch, but a strikeout takes at least three pitches. That means longer at bats, pitchers throw more pitches earlier in the games, 
so pitchers get pulled from the games earlier and the new pitchers need time to warm up. We've come a long way from the Greg Maddoxes of the world throwing a complete game in 84 pitches. I think like the art of throwing innings is kind of, it's kind of getting lost. Whereas like when he played, starting pitchers, regardless if you gave up zero runs or three or four runs, like your starting pitcher was throwing their 100 pitches a game regardless. Um, and now I feel like that's changed a little bit. They'd rather you go four scoreless than go seven innings with three runs. So now pitchers are being told to get strikeouts to throw their fastest, hardest pitches again and again and again. Naturally, this leads to pitchers exerting themselves more. And the more tired you are, the more time you need to get ready to throw the next pitch. And while the pitchers are stalling before they have to make their next 100 mile an hour pitch, the hitters start to use their own tactics to throw off the pitcher's timing. I think the game of baseball got a little bit out of hand with some of the pre-pitch routines. Hitters were adjusting their batting gloves. Pitchers were stepping off and it was kind of like a little bit of a cat and mouse game, game within the game. But I felt like over the years it got worse and worse. Maddox's pet peeve? I think even just the walk-up music. I mean, the guy's got his walk-up song blasting for 20 seconds and he's still in the on-deck circle and you look over there and he's, he's kind of dancing with it or singing along with it and you're like, come on, dude, we playing baseball or, you know, are you on Star Search? I mean, let's, let's play the game. This year, well, players still have walk-up music, but there's a time limit. The pitch clock governs every beat of the game, keeping it all moving. So it's a new development, which is cementing an older idea, which has got to pick up the pace of this sport. Anthony Kastrovins told us that, at first, some fans are skeptical. To purists who don't want to see a, you know, a timer in baseball, they feel like that runs afoul of everything baseball stands for, being the game with no clock, and now it does have a clock, and it's ticking down for every at-bat. Jameson Tyone. So the clock's 15 seconds, but really you don't get all 15 seconds. Finishing the pitch, you get the ball back, you have like five seconds to really think about what just happened and what you want to do next. You have to be really on your stuff. Pitchers have to work faster and have a new strategy for attacking hitters. Quick and aggressive. Kind of like Maddox had always done. And so far, most players seem to be okay with it, including Tyone. I think as a whole, I'm hearing like players really like it. I think people were worried about losing the integrity of the game or whatever, but I don't see that. I honestly just think we killed a lot of dead time. Kastrovitz told me that he expected more pushback from veteran players. We saw guys like, uh, you know, Madison Bumgarner in spring training, who's, he can be as grumpy as can be. And, and he even said he didn't mind <laughs> the, the clock. I mean, I think everybody understands that this is a good thing for the game to have a more watchable product. I think that's going to benefit everybody in the long run. And that's what it's all about making the sport of baseball more entertaining and fun. It's not so much about creating a new game, but, but bringing back an old one. And although pitchers today aren't throwing as many Maddoxes, they're still throwing hard and striking out batters. Despite the pitch clock, there have been just as many strikeouts this season as there were last year. And even a control pitcher like Greg Maddox himself can admit, 99 mile an hour fastballs are fun as hell. You know, as a 16, 17-year-old, I was no different than the guys today. You want to find out how hard you can throw it. 
You know, you just want to, if you throw 90, you want to throw 95. If you throw 95, you want to throw 100. You know, it's all about the velo. Thanks for listening to Sports History This Week. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1958. Brazilian soccer phenom Pelé becomes the youngest player ever to play in the World Cup final, scoring two goals as Brazil beat Sweden. And 2021. A cycling fan holds up a sign way too close to the race course and winds up causing the biggest pileup in the history of the Tour de France. If you'd like to get in touch, please shoot us an email at sportspod at history.com or leave us a voicemail at 212-351-0410. We'd love to hear from you. Special thanks to our guest, Anthony Kastrovitz, writer for MLB.com, Jason Lukehart, baseball writer and inventor of the baseball statistic, The Maddox, Greg Maddox, four-time Cy Young Award winner, Hall of Famer, and namesake of The Maddox, and Jamison Tyone, pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. This episode was produced by David Ingber. It was story edited by me, Keelan Jones, and Julia Press, and sound designed by Bill Moss. Sports History This Week is also produced by Cooper McKim. Our senior producer is Ben Dickstein. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks, Hazel May, and Jonah Buchanan. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Copyright 2023 A&E Television Networks, LLC. All rights reserved.